Hello, Jack Cavendish here. Wanted to take a few moments to speak with you about something I'm quite passionate about. Lurking fears. If you love Cthulhu and Cairo and want to feel the same dread, terror, and occasional triumph, make sure to check out Lurking Fears when you head out to your next gaming convention. With a wonderful group of demented and wildly gifted storytellers, Lurking Fears is able to weave tales that will haunt your dreams and steal your sanity, which is something I know all too well. While specializing in Call of Cthulhu, Lurking Fears also runs a host of games from a variety of other systems, so there's literally an adventure for your every taste and style. They're committed to running heavy RPG adventures, which are driven by the narrative and, of course, by the player's choices. So do check out their Facebook page and make sure you follow them to find out which gaming conventions they will be at next. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Well, it looks as if Faye is jumping headlong into yet another nightmare scenario. And if I know anything about this keep of Raz, is that we're likely facing hell on a horse with us under hoof. So I'd best load my weapons and head over to lend a gun, or two, just to keep the odds even. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you're not a member yet, you can join our Patreon for as low as $1 per month to support the cast and crew of the Bardic College. Unlock bonus content featuring your favorite players, get exclusive access to shows you can't find anywhere else, and even get a chance to have Raz run a game of your choice. Visit us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. It's Cthulhu in Cairo time. I wasn't supposed to say the other intro that I've been doing for 100 episodes. But anyway, it's Raz. I'm here with most of the team, everybody except our beloved Kayla, who plays Ella Walcott. She is just wrapping up her personal business in Vermont. She's been having a good time, so we are we just can't wait to have her back. Uh, we miss you, Ella. And uh, when you finally listen to this episode, just know that you we did. We missed you, and we, we can't wait to see you again and have you back on mic. But the rest of the team is here. And listeners, I'm sure you remember from last week, they were able to make a swap with Hiram Mueller. And he, they gave up the blood flag because they believe Aloysius Banks is going to be able to get his hands on another one in the interim. He has several ideas that he might be able to garner from other museums or get, a, get his hands on uh, to help the team along. But in the meantime, they were able to get the, um, the tattoos from the Scythian princess. And uh, Mueller was nice enough to oblige and pick that up for them. So the, the handoff happened in, uh, at the Vatican and then went on their way and handed it off to Father Matteo, who they asked to seal it in a lacquered box. A very, <laughs> a very ornate, heavy, and secreted <laughs> lacquered box that they promised him he won't probably have to open ever again. <laughs> They'll take it from there next time. Don't worry, Father Matteo. You don't have to keep digging your hands in there. We got this. Boo. So then they jumped on the gyro chapter with Kent Allard and left Rome and are on their way back to London. And why? Because we have people in London we have to pick up before we head out to Jack Cavendish at Kubawazi in Kenya. All right. So how's everybody tonight, gang? Everybody doing well? Doing good. Doing good. great. It'll be nice to um, get more of the gang back together. I know we're missing Ella, but, you know, come on, family time. 
I miss Jack. Yeah, we haven't, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. To say, I, I, I feel touched, genuinely touched, <laughs> not yeah. mentally. No, keeper, why <laughs> just a say, touch? Yeah, like that. <laughs> Nothing. Mm. You know, sometimes you just have to roll with this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, listeners, uh, th- actually, they won't coincide. But if you have not heard Jack Cavendish's solo adventure, what happens tonight? will might not be fully completely understood so definitely get over to patreon and try, check out i'm serious I, I normally don't plug in the middle of when we're playing uh we do it at the beginning or the end shameless. but sees uh, shameless but get there because Jax is really part two is some of the best radio we've done so it really was a great show all right so the gyro chapter lands in london uh on one of the fields pretty far out uh at london airport uh, I believe we determined that Heathrow wasn't actually Heathrow until like the 60s or something like that. But it was, I think, originally just London Airport. And um, Allard is, you know, met on the ground with the chauffeured car and another. There are two, which has not happened before. And the one gentleman walks up to Mr. Allard and says, Sir, um, we have a small situation at the club. So I thought that you'd prefer if I brought a car directly for you, sir. Uh, nothing dangerous, just... Um, Something that needs to be taken care of. Uh, and I thought the rest of the team would like to make their way back on towards their residency uh, so that business at the club could be handled privately. And he says, oh, uh, very good. Um, thank you. Uh, ladies, your car is here. Um, but I will be heading off to the club. I do apologize for this. It's He looks at the cars. He recognizes them. The plates are, you know, registered to the to the club. I mean, this is not a, a ploy to get you gunned down like the Godfather. You know, with uh, Sonny at the Sonny at the, <laughs> the toll booth. Yeah. At the toll booth. This is just he has he has some business. So uh, he helps unload the 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 gyro chapter. Uh, Vadim, he's he greets you. Uh, you know the just says you know how how was the flight? Did you have a good time with it, Mister Vadim? Was it comfortable enough? Breathtaking. <laughs> no, do it again. Uh, <laughs> hands you your luggage. Uh, actually, hands you a small carpet bag, which is probably all you carry. And then everybody else, like Catherine, has pieces of luggage that are matching like hyacinth okay and uh they load the car up and just as the ladies are getting into the car and their chauffeur is closing the door of autumn and you're heading for it um the driver for mr allard says uh mr gavrilov uh, you should be with us sir i kind of turn confused and i look at mr allard to get like direction from him i don't want to approach his car without his approval he looks at the gentleman he says um Again, sir, there was, it's, it's nothing, there's no crisis, but um, I believe Mr. Gavrilov will want to be privy to the situation that has developed at the club. And he says, oh. Vadim um, goes to the gentleman up, up closer to him and he's like, are my children okay? Just tell me that. They're fine, sir. They're in absolutely no danger. As you wish. And he gets in the car. Okay. So, so what's, Catherine is flipping her hand around. <laughs> As the club member, like, it's my membership. What the heck? Like, are we not privy? What the di- what the dickens? See, <laughs> I was just thinking that, you know, Vadim just, like, meandered over there, like, when he heard, and he just gets in the car, and you and I are just in yeah, the back like, of the car. Yeah, like, everybody's leaving. Like, all right, bye, Vadim. See you later, I guess. Oh, I assumed that the everybody heard the, the driver be like, Mr. Mr. Graveroff. You said that, like, out, out loud, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, you got you ladies get in the car and you see that he they they call Vodum over to the other vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, it to to round out the scene, 
the driver comes over, gently taps at your window, Miss <laughs> Ross, and as you lower it just enough to be ostentatious without being actually polite, just a nose crack, he whispers in, Mr. Gavrilov does have business at the club, ma'am. Um, he's going to be driving with Mr. Allard. I'll have the driver bring him over to your uncle's house as soon as it's complete. Would that be satisfactory? Yeah, that's fine. I just... <laughs> We're just My membership. Nosy. And, you know, we... the plan Hence was... The... Hence the car, madam. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Hence the car. Okay. <laughs> Everyone, please keep in mind that Catherine has just traveled and been in the plane. Oh, yeah. Catherine's blitz. you have gotten hoity-toity so fast. <laughs> That's like zero to hoity-toity in three seconds. I am down to earth. <laughs> Remember when Catherine used to roast everyone who was part of a club? That's right. Now, now she's oh, yeah, like, excuse yeah. me. I'd like to speak to the manager, please. <laughs> All I need is a tent and a puddle. Yeah. And now she's like, please, I'll need some more cigarettes and then a wonderful chase and some mules. Someone top off my beverage. Where's my holder? Nobody smokes a cigarette without a holder. Wow. Filthy. Listen, it's called character development, baby. <laughs> we just we didn't we didn't say it had to be good. <laughs> I love it. So the ladies are are taken away uh, in a very nice limousine uh, and head into London. The roads the the trip for the first third of the way is is identical. Uh, the two cards are pretty much in tandem uh, driving down the road. It's it's slightly misting. It's a typical London in January, no, mid-January. It's kind of like spitting and cold, and um, yeah, it's just England unpleasant. Not that I, I've been there, and it's great country, but just the weather sometimes can be. <clears throat> so that's what you're getting. Drivers going along. Uh, there is some. There is some champagne in the back. It's probably like noon by the time you were, you landed, and you t- you know from the time you took off in in Rome. And uh, sure enough, the one car finally keeps going straight, and that's what the girls and the other one makes its turn into the center part of London and uh, makes its way towards the Cobalt Club. Vadim, the the car pulls into an, uh, you know, around the back of the building, and then there is a a lift um, that lowers the car down. So Mr. Allard's private car goes underground. It's stored in a, you know, in this underground small garage Hmm. where you you see five other cars that almost look identical. But um, the, the two of you get out and you start walking up and uh, he brings you upstairs and Mr. Beddoes greets the two of you, takes Mr. Aller's bags and he says, sir, um, waiting in your office, uh, sir, is uh, Jonah Leeds. And he goes, oh, Jonah, very well. Um, and Mr. Gavrilov, oh, his children are waiting, sir. Like they now it's like no big deal. Like this guy seems like it's not a big deal that you're there. So um he says, "If you know, if you, Allard turns to you, Vadim, and basically is, well, I, I, I guess I'll see you in a few minutes, Mr. Gavrilov. I'm, I'm sorry that I separated you from the ladies, but um, let me find out what's going on, and and if if it does actually, you know, require your attention, sir, I will, I will send for you. Would you like me to wait here, sir? Well, no, no, it's go see your family. I mean, it's if it, it, obviously it's not crushing. The building's still not on fire. We're, we're fine." It's, everything seems to be in order. I just want, let me find out exactly what's been happening. As you wish. Uh, excellent. And um, enjoy your time, sir. And he heads off towards his office. Uh, you're, you know, you make your way upstairs, I assume, to, you know where the girl, where, where, you're, where Aslan and Anna are staying. Mm-hmm. So uh, you there and you open the door and they're there. They're with a, a woman um, who you did meet. She was the tutor that we talked about getting them. Um, maybe actually you haven't met her. So there is a, a woman there who's very Russian uh, looking, 
but dressed in more of an English fashion style, like somebody who would be um, higher than maybe a, maybe a nanny style, but but more like a teacher or somebody who would be at a finishing school, you know, dressed very English well. Um, and she sees you and is like, ah, oh, children, I believe your father is here. This is the man that you, this is, you described him well, Anna. And your daughter runs over and hugs you and Oslin comes over and he's kind of looking at you and he seems a little tentative, but you know, he's, he comes over and greets you. Vadim tries to put on as warm a face as he can. He's not very accustomed to it yet, but um, he, he leans down and gives Anna a hug and reaches out and clasps, clasps Oz's uh, shoulder. Anna says, Father, I'm, let me introduce, oh, this is our governess, our teacher, Paulina Ventruvo. And uh, she says, it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Mr. Gavrilov. You have very bright children. You are very blessed. Thank you very much, Mrs. Ventruvo. It's, it is also a pleasure. I, I thank you for all your help and care for my children. Oh, we did so many wonderful things. Um, they have things to show you. And uh, Anna did some pictures from our time at the zoo and um, one of your associates' uh, family members made arrangements for the children to go to the museum at night to see all the wonderful things that uh, has been collected from around the world, places that they now have an idea of better understanding exists. Uh, I feel travel and, and knowledge is so important for the young minds. That is, um, that is very impressive, <laughs> children. I hope you uh, you were very uh, appreciative of this. Uh, it is quite special. Let me show you what I drew, Papa. So she runs over and she gets a a picture of a lion, uh, but she wrote your son's name under it, mm. and it kind of has like weird human eyes. So she's just kind of it's it's Aslan if he was truly a lion, Papa. <laughs> I told you not to show him that. Like they're you know brother and sister. She goes, why? I think it looks nice. It makes you look well. Less angry. <laughs> He's just like, you know, one of those kind of kids. So she tells you all about the uh, the saltwater taffies, and she tells about the candy floss, and they had all kind. Of, they went out to this really nice place for that for Russian food, and it, and you know, like for her, it didn't bring back as many memories, but Oslin did. He's like, I remember, you know, Mama would make dishes something similar and the the flavor palettes. She tells you she's also been working on their Russian. Um, it's coming back for your son quicker. Mm. Um, but you know, she says, Anna, it seems that their mother, and I'm sorry for your loss, but she says, but it seems their mother, when they had time alone uh in their rooms, at least tried to keep up with some of it. So I think that they will they will master the language much sooner than maybe even you thought. Mm, that that would be like her, yes. Vadim uh, turns to his children and he says, um, "It is wonderful these times that you have had, children. These are these are memories that you should cherish. But um, but uh, I am I am sorry to say that this time is uh, is is coming to an end. Uh, your father has finished his business, and uh, it is it is going to be time for us to move on to 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 travel uh, to to another place." Anna is like she steps back. No, no, this is I. I love it here. Why would we want to go, Papa? This makes no sense. We just got here. Um, Miss Miss Polina, she's teaching us our, our our language again, and we have all the food we can eat. We have beautiful clothes. I don't want to leave here. This is this is. I'm learning everything. Everything you asked for me to do, I'm trying to do. I'm learning. Anna, I don't want to go. Anna, you are doing beautifully and wonderfully, and I, and I I understand everything that you are saying. My dear heart, you, 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 
you have been uh, enjoying these wonderful things, but uh, but we are we are guests here, Anna. This is this is not our home. Uh, these are these are friends who are helping us, but uh, but we are just guests, and this is this is only temporary. We have another place to go, uh, special in its own way, Anna. Very different, but uh, but still, I have hope that it could be very special. I don't understand it. And you're, and then Oslin looks at you and says, "We should go. We should go soon." She's like, "That's only because." And he gives her a look, and she says, "You just don't like it here." And she she kind of goes over to Paulina and holds on to her. She goes, "Tell him we should stay. Tell him it's okay that we stay." I don't understand why my father wants to move. We just moved from Portugal, and now we're moving again. So that's all going on. But your son gave off this vibe like he wants to go. I pick up on that, and I, I still clasping a shoulder, I say, um, "Oz, is there?" Is there something you should tell me? And there is a knock at the door. May I come in? It's Mr. Allard's voice. Of course, Mr. Allard. We are about your guests. He opens the door and he says, uh, Mr. Mr. Gavrilov, Anna, Oslin, he says, um, sir, if I may just speak to you a moment in the hall. Uh, Vadim nods and follows him out. He shuts the door and, he's, and standing next to him is a gentleman. Um, he says, this is Mr. Yo- Jonah Leitz. Uh, he was actually in charge of the security detail around the children uh, for the several days that we were gone, sir. He says, um, uh, Jonah, why don't you just tell him? And, and Mr. Gabrilov, before you hear what's going on, I just want you to know we are. there's no way that we would be pressing charges or doing anything of that nature. This is just between yourself and my, my, me and you. Um, the problem has already been rectified with the other members. We just wanted you to know that... Um, this is an internal matter. It would never go any further than that. You have my word, sir. So, Jonah, would you like to explain what happened? And he says, Mr. Gavrilov, um, first of all, Anna is a joy. She is um, singularly just one of the sweetest young ladies I've met. And uh, I just wanted to say that, sir. Um, your son also seemed at first a little hesitant about the situation here. Obviously, he was tentative. But um, we did try to give them as much free reign as possible while inside the building. And... Uh, Second by the second day, he had found the pool and the gymnasium, and he had been spending some time there. Um, we did have somebody watching over him without being intrusive, uh, but then we heard that money had gone missing from some of the members' uh, lockers, sir. And um, we have not talked to the boy about this, but we did bar him from going back there. Uh, because we are fairly confident that he has this money. I do not mean to embarrass you. I'm not trying to say that we think it's automatically him because he's a young man and obviously not a member. I'm sure, sir, the person that was keeping a watch over him saw him actually shutting one of the lockers that money was reported missing from later that day. So I, we we would never have brought this to him directly without you being here. Um, we just wanted you to know so that you could handle it in your way uh, and then let us know if he if he does have the money. The, the members have already been recompensated for what they lost. It was over 400 pounds. Um, obviously, the people in the club carry cash. So, But I, I hope you understand. We did this without – we didn't want in any way, shape, or form to do this without his parent, their parents here. Vadim pulls out his wallet and starts to uh, leaf out the 400 pounds from his – from his wallet, uh, or the equivalent equivalent thereof, he wouldn't. Yeah, pass. 12, 12 million rubles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Allard says, Mr. Gavrilov, please, 
why don't you confirm the situation? Because if if young Oslin didn't do this, maybe maybe he saw someone who did. I mean, we've had theft. It's rare, but we have had theft before, and we've had to let a few people go. I would. I don't want to take your money. That's not the point. I just wanted you to know after I heard the situation. Well, first, Mr. Allard, I appreciate your situation. I am not giving it to you. I am giving it to the members who have lost their money, and I believe that is the only right thing to do. Two, um, my son has been... Uh, has been in a very difficult situation and has been removed from that very difficult situation. And, and uh, he, he is uh, not one to open up to me yet. Uh, knowing his circumstances, knowing uh, where he has been, I am not necessarily surprised by these actions. I will definitely address them in the way that I see fit. And I do apologize for any trouble this may have caused. But I do please request that you would take this remuneration. If, if that is your wish, sir. I really am thankful that Mr. Leitz didn't do anything without you being here. He, he acted the way the club would want it to, him to act. And if you find, sir, that Aslan didn't take the money, then please let me know. I, I would really like to give it back to you and then get to the bottom of what happened. I, I feel that we're doing this a little pre, you know, preemptively before you have a chance to speak to the young man. But that's, if that is your decision as the parent, well, of course, we'll do what's best by you. And I understand your, I understand your want. If, if, if I do uh, become confident in... That there is possible some other information, some other some other thing that has happened here, I will let you know, as that could mean other troubles for you. But, uh, Mr. Allard, you are a very gracious man. There's a lot going on, Mr. Gavilov, and, and you're right now taking care of two very important people for me that have been put on a path. I, I'm still trying to get my head around the entire exploits myself. So I, I, do, think, I do thank you. Um, I'll leave you to it, sir, and enjoy the re- your family. If you, when you need, when you're ready, um, you feel free to use the rooms. There's, I have no need for them yet. Um, if you, when you're ready to head over to meet with your associates, simply let, let us know. We'll have the car bring you, bring you over. Okay. All right. Uh, I go back into the room. Um, are you going to throw down? No, (laughs) but there is, so everybody on the, everybody on the camera just started laughing like are you about to throw down aslan pick up that gun <laughs> I, I will give you the first punch let me let me ask so there's there's like a private room like i could take oz to go oh yeah they they have their bedrooms this is a, just a general area where they were studying and learning things and everything else so um <laughs> thanks for that catherine <laughs> much appreciated it is no small matter wow yeah, I should just say, Lauren, Lauren wrote, Aslan stole the equivalent of $31,000, just just in case bottom- In like, adjusted dollars, adjusted dollars. Adjusted yeah. dollars, yeah, just just in case Scott needed the inspo, as you were. It was like a, you know, a good 30% of the cash I had on me, which is like, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I go in there and I, I, I walk up and I, I give a kiss to Anna on her head and I reach over to Oz and I say, uh, Oz, I need to speak with you for a moment, son. Uh, please come with me. And I, uh, I take him into the other room. Yeah, that's that's the walk of a prisoner. Um, <laughs> your arms around his shoulder. It's the, it's the slow head down walk of somebody who's on the green, you know, the final mile. <laughs> so the question is, are you taking your belt off quite casually while you're walking him down the hallway? No, no, that's fine. But it, but he has the attitude of like uh, he already knows. Like, oh shit. <laughs> so go ahead. So I go into the other room and um, I pull out my wallet and I I say to him, son, I um. Are you in need of more money? I, I understand that um, 
it seems you have possibly uh, possibly found uh, some money of your own uh, in this club, huh? Uh, some, some accusations are flying about. But if you need money, son, and I pull out a bunch of bills from my wallet, how much do you need? Uh, you have 400 pounds. Do you need 500? Uh, 600? How much, uh, how much uh, money do you need, son? I need enough to go back to Portugal. Of course, of course. And I understand, son. I understand what you are feeling. I need you to understand something. To steal something from somebody else? There is nothing wrong with this. This is how I have lived my entire life. To steal from friends? To steal from those who are helping you? There is no honor in that. You steal from those who are faceless, who will not miss it. And you do it in a way where they never know it happened, and they never know who it happened from. Son, you need to be better than this. You stick with me, and I will tell you this. I will show you. I will teach you how to steal properly, son. But this this crude breaking into lockers and stealing from those who are graciously hosting you, this is not the way, son. I want... I was doing it for Anna. I know. I know you had uh, you had good intent in heart. You, you, you wanted to care for your sister. No. I wanted to get her mama's ring. She cries all the time about it. Alvarez said that if, before I left, he passed me a note that, and he pulls it out. He says, if I could raise money, he knows the pawn shop that mama used, and I might be able to get the ring back. That's why I wanted the money. I don't want my sister not to have something of her mother. She's in Portugal. We had a life there. She's buried there, and we're going away from it, and I don't understand. Well, son, I know you are hurt. And I know it seems like this was a home for you, but it was not. It was not a home that your mother ever felt would be a home. And if you try to think about the path that you were on, the future that you would have had there, I think, I think you will see, if you give it time, son, that, that that future was leading nowhere and that road was only going to a dead end. You left us there for many years. I, uh, son, left you with your mother for many years. It is only very recently that I discovered of her own death. And this was how your mother wanted it. It was to keep you and them safe. And I am deeply sorry, son. Always. And I want you to know now that you and your sister's care and, her, and your future and our future is the only thing that is important to me now. I am, I am in middle of of job uh, with with these people these these friends that have become very dear to me son i i think with time you will you will get to see them as as i do as family and i hope that you will understand that we are doing extremely important work it is uh this work that is meant to save many lives of many innocent people son and sometimes these things are the things that that call us, that, 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 that drive us, that we have to answer, even when it hurts those around us. Um, and I, I hope that you will, uh, you will think of the words of your mother and think of the heart that she had and, and give this time, because you cannot return to Portugal. There is no future there. And although our future path, it may be rough, I am not promising you riches, I am not promising you uh, a great life, but I am promising you safety, I am promising you care and family, and I'm promising you love, son. He uh, reaches into the pillow, and he had cut a small or torn a small hole, not in the pillowcase, underneath into the actual pillow itself, 
and puts his hand in and pulls it out and holds up the money. He says, just a few pounds short, I put on a puzzle of a giraffe and a candied apple. Otherwise, it's all there. From the zoo that she loves so much. You, uh, yes. you are a good brother. Always remember that. You are a big brother. Oz, that is a very, a very special relationship that you will always have with your sister. And Oz, I want you to, um, I want you to keep this money. And I want you to tell me how, uh, what we need to do to get this ring back. And I will promise you that whatever that is, your sister will have it. And you will be the one to give it to her. His eyes tear up over that. That go ahead and make me a um give me a psychology roll. Oof. Not good for you. What's your better one? What do you got? In regards to what? Trying to So you're breaking through somebody, you're you're tearing down the boundaries, you're you're working on them as far as you know, when when you're reading body language and getting a feeling for somebody when you when you hit a spot, right? Like you 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 ta- you tapped heartstring notes for him. Yeah. Big brother, protector. You know, you did that very, very smart, very, very well done. Vadim is usually accomplished at convincing other people what he needs them to be or do or think. Right. And I guess in that part of it is is being able to read where they're at. But that's genuinely, I think, done in a in a situation that is not necessarily a, a uh, an honest situation. That's when he needs something to be done. He's a good fast talker. Um I'll, I'll give it the psychology role. Okay, let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that's, um, I'm not great at it, but I think it's what is called for, right? You're you're reading him uh, in a heartfelt situation, so let's see what you get. And that's a 38. Um, it's not a success. You know How what? far off? You know what? Um, yeah, it. that's, that's eight luck for me to, uh, I'm going to spend it. I want to know what my son is thinking. Like I said, you you tapped very very deeply into several emotional things that he can, he hangs his hat on. And obviously, when your wife was ill, she had time. You know, she didn't drop dead; she became sick. She had time to pass on to him certain things that were important to her. And one of the things was being the older brother, being the provider protector. That means more than just sometimes food on the table. It means knowing when someone is hurting and being able to to be there for them at that moment too. So many times, especially in this era of 1930s, men were taught, if I'm putting food on the table and I'm providing that way, then the rest of it's not my issue, right? Yeah. Um, but he was raised for the last several years or five, six years by a female who would have been instilling in him the other side all the time of, mm-hmm. no, you have to also be mothering. You have to be caring. You have to be that protector sometimes means being a mother hen like watching after them that kind of stuff so not that she not emasculating just showing him that there's two sides there's different types of love and i think you know she's ingrained in him with when it comes to anna that it's more than just saying i put food on your plate shut the frig up and get me a beer you know that's not this way um we're talking about somebody who has to be a a caregiver a care you know someone cares for them so yeah you 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 see all this come across his face and you realize yeah, I that was what he needed to hear. Not get lectured, not get told off. You know, you you came at this at a whole wild approach of I can teach you how to do this better, you'll never get caught, but never to friends. We don't, you know, you don't take from people that are caring for you. So that great well well done. That was that was really good. I think that nails down where I saw Oslin at this point. Um yeah, that I, he's ready to follow you. Like now he feels, yeah, 
That was great. That's that's it was such an un you know, I I I Vadim I know was feeling just like uneasy about going to Kenya and being like, you know, like this kid is just gonna be like, what the you know, so that's that's good. That's really good. Yeah, no. Um yeah, and you you came at it in a whole way I wasn't ready for it, which is good. Definitely good. uh I definitely wanna follow up then um you know, maybe ask the club if they can send off a, a message to this Mr. Alvarez. Um okay. Actually, maybe, boy, I don't know, man. The guy's a schlub. He'll just grab some ring and send it. Unless, uh, am I familiar with the ring? Oh, yeah. Is there it's a wedding ring. Okay. Oh, okay. So I would know the ring. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's nothing overly special. True. It's, it's, this, it's, this, it's the ring itself. You know, it's, it's she wanted that ring. Yeah. Like she, The little girl's like, I wanted it off mama's hand, and then I had to give it up. It was the last thing they sold of your wife's. Like, Oslin got rid of everything else he could first before he took the ring from your sis- his sister, and he made her cry her eyes out when he took it. But he's like, we have to keep paying for room and board. We have to keep doing what we need to do to survive. Uh, and when when the time is is easy and I've got a little bit of privacy, I think I would ask Mr. Allard if I could send a message from the club Um to like like a like a telegram or I, oh he has a phone I called from their house yeah yeah okay I'll just try to I'll just ask to use the phone and I'll reach out to this Mr Alvarez and I'll tell him that uh, how you know however much money he needs double it and um and uh, hmm do it with the ring well you could you could what we could do is when you make the flight plans to go to Africa you could fly through Lisbon land pick up the ring and then head make your way off to the continent wonderful. I'll have to ask everybody if they're okay with that, which is cool. Oh, it's just a stop, yeah. Oh, bring it up to Faye. She'll steamroll that. <laughs> Believe it or not, it does. He doesn't. The ring wasn't that. It wasn't that kind of money. Like he was. Aslan think thought he had to fly there, go get it, and fly home. So if you send him thirty five, forty pounds, and you double it, that's a hundred. A hundred pound note's going to easily get that ring back to you with no problem. I'll call him. I'll tell him that. Um, you know, I'll be calling from uh, you know when when I arrive in Lisbon that uh, that that's uncertain, um, and that um, I'll double whatever money he needs, and I'll pay him uh, extra on top of that for the expediency to deliver it to me to the airport. Perfect. Okay, he he agrees to do it, no problem. Again, not a great guy, not a not a fantastic human being, but, but he's not a fan of, the of money. <laughs> uh, oh, but he's a fan of money. Yeah, not but he's you know not master of the house, but. Oh, like master of the house. (laughs) He's not that bad. (laughs) Not quite that bad. All right. So over to the ladies. Jack, you're going to be last. Um, So you just hang in there, big man. Oh, joy. Fantastic. (laughs) We're going to end with you because, well, we're going to end with you. Because I'm the farthest away at the moment, aren't I? (laughs) Right. We're doing this geographically, starting at the Cobalt Club. So actually, I'll, I'll let the girls decide. Who would like to be next? Catherine or Faye? Why doesn't each one of you, you tell me who you want to go first? No, why doesn't Faye? Did you do the nose thing? Yeah, you're damn right. I did the nose thing. I'm going to put this off as long as I can. I'm scared, man. I was going to say, did you want to go next? Because I've had a couple big moments past couple of episodes. No, um, quite frankly, I'm scared shitless. <laughs> um, okay. I just, he, he's been. I, I, look, I I'm scared. All right, Catherine, All right, you and Faye arrive. Let's do it. You and Faye arrive and you let yourselves in with whatever key you have. I'm sure you you have a key. Emily is there and she sees you come through and she's like, did, did everything go, go well? Catherine, it's so good to see you. Hello, Miss Dawson. It's a pleasure. Where's the rest of your party? Ella, the 
crazy woman, don't, not sure where she is at the moment, um, but Vodham will be back with his kids uh, sometime this afternoon. Hello, Aunt M. Lovely to see you. I stumble, I stumble a little bit, hugger. Yeah, she hugs you back. She's like, and 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 everything's okay. We're okay. You're fine, but believe me, you're completely fine. Um, Miss Walcott actually um took care of it for us, so completely safe. It's it's probably been very nerve wracking um past couple of days. I'm sure she left a number. Um, she said for me to call this 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 number once the two of you came back. So um. Your uncle uh, is in the lounge. If you'd like to speak to him, and I'll I'll give you a friend a ring. If if that's okay, I can let her know you're safe in here. Please do, because I don't I don't know where she is. Well, no, she she sent this a few days ago. Uh, but I I I will make the phone call. Uh, Thank you, Aunt M. So I go and seek out Uncle Al because I want my letter. <laughs> so Uncle Al, <laughs> Uncle Al, you he hears footsteps in the hall, and he's like. Is that you, my little shrimp cocktail? No, no, no shrimp. No shrimp. It's Catherine. Well, love of God, I didn't think you'd be back so soon. Catherine! Uncle Al, hello. I I, 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 I thought it was Ramsey. I'm sorry. You call Ramsey your little shrimp cocktail. Oh, you heard that? I oh, I'm, I did. Um, you heard me say no shrimp. <laughs> oh, is that what you meant? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm... <laughs> what a weird thing to say if I hadn't heard you just say the word shrimp cocktail. Yes, it's not uncommon. Many people walk around the house and say no shrimp. <laughs> okay. Um, I asked this morning. I I I said I I said to the cook, um, "Will there be seafood tonight?" She said, "No, no shrimp." <laughs> oh, it's good to see you. She hugs him tenderly. Uh, uh, oh, are you ill? Uh, uh, no, um, no. He, he hugs you back. Uh, no, I'm not ill. I've just had about a bottle of champagne. I I don't do very well on planes anymore. Uh, never trust the things. Mm. Well, Mr. Allard has one. It's it's a gyro copter. No, it's utter nonsense is what it is. Ah, moving parts. Don't trust them. Yes. So, you've been well. All is, you're fine. Thank you for arranging that trip for Vodham's kids. No, I, uh, at least I could do. Um, you know, oh, uh, very nice. <clears throat> a little, the young, the young man, <coughs> very smart. The girl, fascinated by the, uh, all the stuffed animals and, uh, you know, but the oh. young man had some some interesting questions. You didn't like tell them anything weird, did you? Like strange facts. What do you mean? Strange I facts. Don't... Like I I, I I told them about I told them about history. I told them about uh, the, you know the the hunting and and where these animals were. You know some of the animals okay. in the exhibit were bagged. Okay. And the process of taxidermy. Oh, why was that weird? My goodness, <laughs> I know that's a passion of yours. <laughs> is that is that's not well? All the penguins, <laughs> I. They had popcorn. It was a good time. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I remember very fondly you taking me to did the you, museum as a youth. Did, did, did you handle your the, the situation? I mean, uh, is everything done? Oh, yeah. Okay? Um, yes. You could have called. You could have told me. I mean, I've been and, sitting here for days. And, and, you know, and you know what? In the half a dozen times I've called you in the past couple of weeks, you could have told me that I'd received a letter from a friend. What, a letter? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced he left it here. Because I never gave Sydney my address. Letter. Um. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, post. A yes. Letter. Yes. People. Correspondence. Pen. Paper. What, people write what, them. What did it say? I don't know. It was sealed and meant for me. Did you open it? Well, of course not, Catherine. I, I, I'm not crass. 
I'm not that kind of person who reads other people's mail if it's addressed to you. <laughs> oh, that's drawing the line. <laughs> that right there. <laughs> Too much it's for a, you. Noted. It's an, offen- it's, it's an offense against king and country. King uh, and country. Uh, is, would you like me to? It's a, would you like me to help you look for it? Do you happen to know where it is? What the letter? Yes. No idea. Came in weeks ago. Uh, um, probably my desk. Uh, unless I took it to work, uh, I could have brought it to the museum. Why one would day. you take it to work? Pile of papers came along. Um, I, 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 I mean, we can look. It's got to be here. I mean, Catherine, for God's sakes, I don't lose things. Let's let's um, let's go to the office. It's uh, it's probably under. Yeah, it, it's. You know what? I have an idea where it is. Oh. And he starts walking towards the office. Great. I'm following intently. So he goes over to a book on the shelf and <laughs> takes it out, <laughs> looks at you, smiles, opens the book, and shakes it. What? Nope. What's the book? <laughs> just, it's just a big volume of something oh. he just randomly grabbed. <laughs> he goes, nope. Not that takes one. The, okay. Takes the next one. Hmm, this might be daunting. Well, there's only 385 volumes. Grab one. Oh, I, I mean, okay. Oh, you know what? Maybe we should start with the desk. Let's try the desk. First. I shake a book out just to appease him and then put it back. And we really need to be, you can't just grab books willy nilly. Top shelf to the bottom, work our way left to right. No, 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 no. You know, come to think of it, if it was addressed directly to you, unless you wrote the book or it was one of your favorites, I probably wouldn't have put it there. I would have put it onto someplace. Right. I, I, so let's. Let's start with the desk. So if it's not in the desk, it's in a gothic romance novel. Got it. Oh, that makes sense. Northern Jurabi, baby. That's where it's going to be. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden roll. That is a negativos, sir. At a... All right. Ac- oh! oh, man, I'm four points off. How, but much, I- luck? How much luck do you have? 36. Wow. <laughs> wow, that sucks. <laughs> I ha- I'll have to do it again. All right, so about 20 minutes goes by. Okay. And he hasn't found it yet. Noted. So go ahead. Ah, a zero three. It's under the left leg, helping prop up the desk. Why would you? Is it, is, are there other letters with it or is it just mine? It's three books and your letter <laughs> is on the very top. And he's like, oh, right. Because I needed the book that was down there before friend of mine needed to borrow it. And I remember picking it up and I said, oh, this is Catherine's post. And she's got legs. So I'll put it under the leg of the desk. This makes perfect sense. Because I have legs. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Why? you think through it. You're a lord. What is this? Why can't you have this desk repaired? It's been in the family for uh, uh, years. All the more reason to get it repaired and not prop it up with tomes. Then it won't be original. The leg was lost during some particular... Battle or th- uprising or something. Uh, cannonball. I'm sure. It has something to do with it. But it doesn't matter. I found the post. Great. May I? Oh, it's crumpled. Well, just it's, 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 been, it's been pressed flat. That's good. It's got, a le- it's got a leg imprint. So listeners, this is what was penned back in early November by Sidney Poulter and has been sitting at the bank's address all this time without Catherine knowing what it says. So, Catherine, the internal part of you picks up Sydney's voice in your brain as you begin reading, and you hear... From Lieutenant Poulter, Sydney, R. Corpse Royal Engineers Company, R.E., Attachment, M Section, Ward 17, Bed 23. Catherine Ross, care of Aloysius Banks, London, UK. Dearest Catherine, 
Hopefully your Uncle Al receives and forwards this letter to you, as I have no idea where else to send it in hopes of reaching you. I am certain that you all thought me dead, as I indeed felt so myself as a mass of villagers converged upon me atop that cliff. In truth, I am still not sure how I survived that endless barrage of stabbing and bludgeoning, only to find myself in the very care of the same people. I can only assume it was a type of temporary madness in some part related to the creature we encountered at Rupkund, in which John released somehow. Someone at the village sent word to someone who in turn found and brought me first to a local hospital and, and then finally back home to Old Blighty, where here at Old Stoke I have lain recovering from my injuries these long weeks. Surrounded by others in various states of duress, I am filled with the memories of the great war that marked us both. Only those that served, endured and survived such tragedy will truly understand the scars it left within our minds and souls. This convalescence has given me much time to think of what transpired within our band of wanderers over the past months. The dangers and madness, yes, but also the bond that we, sh we formed as in the case in certain such times. I've also dwelled upon the tragedy, the tragic loss of Aveline, and I feel I failed her in some way. I know there was some subtle sign I missed, something I might have done. I pray she forgives me, though I know I am incapable of forgiving myself. I have also realized that while I had been pining for the comforts of my small life in Croton and those I left behind, that there were things, people that I had grown close to, began to care for deeply. It took nearly dying for me to see finally with clear eyes what I had missed all along. It was for this reason that I have chosen to put pen to paper. Whether this letter finds its way to you now, many years later, or after I'm gone, I need you to know that I saw you. I saw the Catherine behind the veil, the wall of strength and determination. I saw the heart that lingered there in the shadows of your pain, betrayal, and fears. I saw the nurse who tried so hard to be unseen and strictly functional, all the while being adored from afar by her friends. I do not expect anything in return, for the offering of these words, and I know that you have no reason to trust or offer that inner heart as so many have abused it. Perhaps I'm just a foolish, damaged man, taken unaware by the soft eyes behind a stern look of the most amazing nurse, person I have ever known. I have been reinstated into His Majesty's military, as there is a need for the knowledge that I have gained during my time with all of you. I wish that I could share the details, however, I fear the letter would be waylaid and all this effort for, in writing for, vain, for naught. As I will, so I will leave it unsaid. I'm also sure that you would worry about old Sid, and that I cannot abide. You have enough on your shoulders, and I pray you all take extra care. Please give my best to Faye, Ella, and John. I know you're able to complete your journey. I hope you're able to complete your journey together and achieve what at times may seem unachievable. I'll close now, as I'm tired, and the nurse is fussing trying to take my fountain pen from me. Who does that remind you of, eh? Well, when all this madness is over, if we all survive, somehow, I would like to share my little world in Croton with you all, to show you my fix-it shop, the seed you never got to know, and perhaps one day... You and I can walk the fields of France and Belgium, somehow finding together, making peace with that horrible event 
so we can again feel the sun on our faces and move on. Your ever faithful protector in absentia, Sydney. Okay, Catherine. So that's that's the inner monologue you heard from Sid, the letter that was never received from his hospital bed that he wrote back on November 8th. So you're talking over two months. It's been stuck at the bank's residence, you know, and, and undelivered. Just thought you'd want to, you know, we could go through that and let you know it was there. Do you show anyone? Do you feel that it's something you want to share at the moment? I'm going to, I'm going to sit with it for a bit. I'm not going to share it right away. And I think that's where we'll close it for tonight then. Wow. What a way to close it. Joel, sorry, uh, great I job. Mean bringing to cut Sid. You off. I, I, I didn't get my turn, Keeper. Yeah, you're not going to on this one. Um, and, and Faye, you're start, you'll be started up on the next one. So uh, that's, that concludes us for tonight. Um, we have Adam back with his kids. Catherine finally has closed up all the loose threads at the Banks residence and has gotten her letter from Sydney. How she takes it, dear listener, you make your own decision. Was Sydney reaching out in a more, as a personal way? Was he trying to talk to the team? Was he talking to Catherine, but being tentative in his judgments and in his voice? That's entirely up to you and Catherine to figure out. But uh, we hope you join us next week for more Cthulhu and Cairo. This is Raz signing off. Team, great job. And we'll see everybody in a week. Good night. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu and Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.